0: Today's episode of In The Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at ryanroxy.com. In The Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 and welcome to another live stream episode of In The Trenches. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. and. If you can tell, if you're watching on our YouTube official channel, which I hope you are, uh, you can see that I am not in my normal location. That's because now I'm in the crypt. I'm in the crypt of former guest of the In the Trenches podcast, Paul Blazik. So you might see a Paul Blazik sighting between now and the end of this episode. But for those of you that are listening to us on audio, we thank you very much. And, of course, we want you to subscribe to those platforms. But please, hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. Get into the live chat, because I see the live chat uh, faithful, the uh, In the Trenches faithful, the Roxy Guitar Army, if you will, because we are all here today to celebrate los angeles this is our um i'm in los angeles okay so there's the uh there's the big news right there or or maybe the big news is this and we're going to talk about this (laughs) already the it's it's making waves waves it's gone viral you know but um as far as my guest today what can i say i I don't even really have a script usually you know I, i go deep i go down the rabbit holes but the thing is my guests and I today, we've gone down some deep rabbit holes ourselves. This the two of us over the years. And um, we're buds. We're co-musicians. Um, we're actually kindred spirits, if you will, and here to talk about his newest endeavor in the newest band, Licorice Quartet, as well as his solo project, uh, Sextus, and everything past, present, and future. Would you please welcome to in the trenches guitarist, songwriter, all around musical genius, Eric Dover. Hello, Dover. Hey,
1: my hey. friend. How are yeah. you? There it Thank is, man. Thank
0: you for the warm introduction. Uh, people have been wanting you to come on the podcast for some time. Ever since they saw you way back when with that little keyhole uh, camera that you used to have. <laughs> how? So you've
1: upgraded or you've downgraded with your camera? What is that? Uh, well, I I'm using my actual computer now to do this. I, I don't know how the hell I rigged it up last time. I, I it was some kind of like botched job, but I just made it work somehow. <laughs> I think
0: it was through one of those ring. Uh, Sort of devices that people have on their, uh, you know, to get when they have burglars coming to their door at home, and they can check on an app. Was it the Ring? I I think Shaquille O'Neal has some uh, money in that, so I don't know. Well, good for him. Shout out to Shaquille O'Neal. That's what we do here on In the Trenches. Uh, Because I don't have a script, Eric. It's just like, what what did I say it was going to be? It was to be uh, beautiful, smooth chaos. That's that's what this episode could be.
1: Well, that's what rock and roll is, right? I mean, it's it's organized chaos, and we're going to try to bring that to you, the uh, viewer, today, whoever's <laughs> out there.
0: Oh, there's, there's a lot of faithful out there. In fact, they have some questions for you um, in a segment we like to call Let the People Speak. But we're not going to start with that, because what we like to always start with is going back to get forward. And let's just kick into that right now. <laughs> Gilby Clark has to have his motorcycle sound
1: in every single episode. It's by contract. Awesome. So you actually got the sample. I've been trying to get those samples from him for years.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, when you write the contract in blood with the the Gilby Clark organization, that's what happens. Um, I think we've we've done gigs with Gilby before. Have you? I mean, you've been in a band. You were with the first version of uh, Snake Pit. I was in version two of Snake Pit. But um, it's not so much more about Gilby. It's more about the samples because I remember about you is when we you're into sampling, and I think at one point you had a very very eclectic bird sampling, sampling of bird sounds. Am I correct? You remember That's that?
1: Cor- <laughs> That's correct. Actually, I, I get a weird in a weird mood every like couple of years, and you know, spring will come around, and all of a sudden the songbirds are coming out, and I'm like. I wonder what kind of microphone I could use, you know, what kind of preamp would sound best here. And I I probably have a couple of hours of these birds just going up. There's no telling what they're saying. You know, they're probably like, fuck me harder daddy. I don't know. (laughs) um, You really do need to start speaking parakeet
0: or are you, would you say you're like, who's the the woman that hung out with the uh, apes and the gorillas? Uh, Oh, Jane Goodall. You're the Jane Goodall of, uh, you know, Canaries. (laughs) (laughs) Canaries. I, <laughs> <laughs> but that was way back when. I, I mean, and I still remember that one day because we were going to come. I came over for a songwriting session. And basically you said it was almost like when Elmer Fudd goes, shh, I'm be very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. You're like, shh, I'm recording birds. I'm getting a special sound of that. <laughs> and then. Did it ever make it to like a, a, a to a Sextus record, or did, did any of those bird samplings ever make it to any
1: uh, recordings? Uh, yes, they did, actually. They made it on uh, Sextus, I believe. I think it's on uh, the last EP, Devil Angel, somewhere around in there. Or I could be wrong. I mean, I've had it for years. I, I always have um, a backlog of things, I've noises and sounds. You know, you go into the kitchen, and you're like, hey, I like the way this pot sounds, or, you know. <laughs> this kettle, so you'll sample it, and just musician stuff, I guess. But it's, uh, it's fun.
0: It's Eric always... Dover musician stuff. I love that thing because because you those are the types of sounds that you really can't uh, replicate on guitar. You just have to have it. And, I mean, the Beatles used to do stuff like that. I think they used to just take it, take weird instruments and turn
1: them around, right? Yeah, I mean that's always kind of been the goal. I mean, I love uh, I love the loud rock and roll that we've been able to play through the years together as well and and to me nothing sounds better than a cranked up loud guitar but uh, you know for some things if i dabble around in uh, electronic music which i've done before uh, uh, anything goes you can just turn on the yeah. fan and talk in it and yeah
0: so. i to say a, a really loud electric guitar and then maybe some magic bullet sampling in the back or something like that some sort of you know
1: protein drink mixer You've got to have some Ted zigzag over there with his doctor sample, you know. I want my gig back. He's
0: a, he's an inspiration for all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think between the two of you guys, there was more weird sounds coming from samples over those years. Because I, I tell people that that you know, even to this day, when you were when you and I played together in the Alice Cooper band, you know, we were always technologically kind of. Um, Cripple, if you will, <laughs> to use a word that I shouldn't use in L.A. to get canceled. But we, we were technologically – I know the, the correct word is challenged, but we were – literally, it was worse than being challenged. Um, yes. <laughs> okay, what happened – okay, folks, full disclosure, and you have to be watching the podcast in order if you want to get all these little references. We, we were saying – I asked before the podcast started if you could even use the word cripple. I'm not calling someone cripple. I'm not going out to like where I'm staying here out of Paul Blazik's crypt. Cause for one, you can't escape this place. But if I go out on the street, you just start, can't start yelling cripple, cripple. <laughs> but if, if you say something's crippled, you're not, you're not going to get uh, canceled, but Dover kind of was, was, was uh, you had a little bit of a different view of, you said maybe that was Fonzie jumping the, jumping the shark. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the new term for getting canceled, folks. J- Fonzie jumping the shark, and then of course Vic, our producer, went out and found a picture of the uh, great, great uh, Arthur Fonzarelli. Um
1: Why can I not think of his acting name? Eric, help me out. Oh bloody hell! I just call him Fonzie. It's uh, Henry Winkler, right? Oh, oh damn it! See, sometimes when I get put on the spot, you know, oh I get I totally get a brain fart on that stuff and somebody had posted the other day on facebook here's a list of 100 tv shows how many of them have you seen well out of 100 tv shows none of them not one over the last 25 years i haven't seen one network tv show couldn't even tell you what the plot is but i know about fonzie so
0: well i was going to say from any time from the mid 70s probably to the early 80s you could probably name every character on every tv show you know and their pilots you know jack tripper you know can, can you name can you name the three sort of incarnations of three's company i mean there or at least the two landlords
1: well don knots right as as, as as mr. mr furley mr furley and uh, gosh the uh, the first one i can't remember offhand you've got me in a spot
0: they had a spinoff show called the ropers
1: remember that's right that's right yeah back and when then, television was fun yeah
0: uh, and and then i i love the uh porno spinoff that they did and they simply because usually they change the name of that but they just kept it they were just called the ropers <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. A peter north reference to you there man. <laughs> I, i've been, I've been like, like late
1: 70s early 80s porning out lately as far as my references no that's that's totally allowable it's all it all collided at a certain point I think in the 90s anyway right I mean it, it kind of yeah it, it imploded it well it, it did collide and implode
0: whether it was you know perhaps the whole Tracy Lord scandal I think that kind of put the pin in the in the balloon but uh, then it, it, at one point you know, it, here's the thing I don't know if you saw this but you you might like this um, this picture <laughs> And it says, most of these young people will never know the beautiful voice of Luciano Pavarotti.
1: <laughs> I thought it was Luigi from Mario Brothers. My daddy. Yeah. It's actually Ron Jeremy, as you know. <laughs> so. You know, I, th- I got a weird wild hair up my butt one night. I wanted to ask him this question so bad. Was a Luciano Pavarotti or Ron Jeremy? Both. <laughs> and I was like, so listen, uh, Ron, have you ever have you ever done a furry porno? And he's going, um, I don't know, like you know, nod off for a second, and then wakes up and he's like, Oh yeah, I've done one of those. Then he goes, A gig's a gig. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> So some somewhere, somewhere out there there's a furry porn and it's Ron's, you know Well, yeah, and, and his self. The thing is, yeah, Ron is a little bit like
0: uh, furry himself. And, and I guess you and I have done, I guess, if it's, if everything's relative, playing Kingman, Arizona is basically the equivalent of doing a furry a furry porn.
1: That <laughs> I, mean, was, that, I mean, it's kind of equal. I would say it is. And yeah. I mean, I, I remember we played Kingman once. So I think it was the first time and we – we walk, it was like a movie or something. We walk in completely glammed out into a cowboy bar. And it was. <laughs> it was.
0: Now we can hear you. Your mic's a little loud, but that's okay. Oh, wow. So, like we were saying,
1: <laughs> back at it. Oh, man. I apologize. This computer's a bit old, but. But the camera looks
0: good. Uh, you know, if we could combine that with your ring camera and the and the innards of the this computer, I think we'd be fine. But that's, you know, what it's par for the course. It's what we do here at the, in the trenches. It's not like um, we have sponsors. That wait, we do have sponsors. Wow. Okay. Well, we just jumped the shark, <laughs> folks. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what we were talking about. The new word for being canceled is jumping the shark. And um, But I believe the story that we were talking about was the first time that we went back into uh, Kingman with our promoter. Do you remember our promoter's name? Because we got half the equation right already. Who was it? Kingman Bob. And Kingman Bob is now a, um, a heavy, heavy uh, religious preacher out in the Arizona area.
1: Wow. Well, we must have done something uh, <laughs> to facilitate that. But yeah, what was that gig? Do you do you? What do you remember
0: about those those really, really eclectic? Because that was a glam nation uh,
1: extravaganza, wasn't it? it? It definitely was. And I don't remember. Uh, oh, I do remember that um, we were playing with Betty Blowtorch on that gig. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. That's right. God rest uh, her soul. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. She passed away not that many years afterwards. Yeah. She
1: was very sweet. And, uh, you know, we all miss her. Um, but the show itself was fantastic. And I was really blown away by them because they brought, um, pyrotechnics with them. You know, this was (laughs) was before everybody said, Hey, maybe we won't use pyrotechnics in a small club, but they had, the the torches and the whole nine yards and i was deeply impressed there yeah we we couldn't ever really afford the pyrotechnics because we just well actually we
0: wouldn't know how to operate them but what what were some of the things that glam nation would actually
1: bring it was more i think the more cheesier the better right generally speaking i mean I, i think when it comes to glam nation we really outdid ourselves when we did the um what was it, the Peruvian sabbatical <laughs> episode? <laughs> and we
0: and we actually adopted a Peruvian, a Bolivian. I'm sorry. Bolivian. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a Bolivian love child in the form of Bobo. And um, he came out, I think he came
1: out in a diaper. He might have. He also had a, a Swami uh, hat as well, I think, at one point. But that's when, yeah, we did something else.
0: I think that's when we went and found ourselves again, or, or wait, wait, something, you're right. It was a, maybe it was a combination. He was a Peru. He was a Bolivian love child and he was our Swami because we had gone to find ourselves. Glam Nation, folks was, it was a band that we had put together, um, sort of our love for early seventies, uh, all things early seventies sort of glam rock. Who would you say was like the primary influences of that band Eric?
1: Oh, we were, uh, you know, Martha Hoople and Sweet and T Rex and Bowie and, uh, uh-huh. you know, all all that good stuff. And um, when well, we played quite a bit for a while on, on, uh, this, in Hollywood around the it strip was- and the gig, the gig on Melrose—that was sort of our haunt,
0: I believe. Remember yes, that? it was.
1: And we had uh, the fabulous Ashley.
0: Oh, just talking about her. Um- The other day, to her former boyfriend, I ran into him. We walking down Sunset, and he just goes, "Yeah, I used to go out with, you know, with the fabulous Ashley." And I go, "Didn't she move to Hawaii?" And he said, "Yeah." She said one day, she goes, "You know what? Things aren't things aren't working out the way I want. I'm just going to move to Hawaii." And she did, you know. And now, and now, apparently, she's moved back to the Midwest where she's um, where she was born, you know, grew up kind of you know that's what kind of people do sometimes i mean they they do go back to their nest at some point um i was thinking about that today in la was i was walking down getting my starbucks instead of what i would normally have on this show which would be you know some sort of protein vodka something drink um yeah i i applaud you eric dover thank you so much and any west coast guests that we've had on in the trenches for doing it on this time zone because honestly i don't it was it's it's a little early i admit it now i don't i don't realize that it was so early until i'm actually living it so thank you and i appreciate it and i will switch my normal drink out with coffee and i think you have something as well right when you're drinking
1: well i'm just having a red bull right now i've been up since uh 5:30 so your, your time right. schedule is all over the place. But, I,
0: you know, but but going back, you know, to Los Angeles, I was thinking about walking as I was walking down there. It's like going, what's your view about this whole city? Because you've been here now for a while. We we all come. It seems that most people come here to to make it. And at one point or another, it's not just making it, but there's also a whole other community of people that need to support those people making it that's why there's so many jobs in the in the movie business where you know whatever if you're a gaffer and a key grip and all those things that support the the main progress and you're part of this whole project like I guess my feeling is like should you ever go back to where you came from or should you just stay here and have generations that you know continue? to, you know, live that dream and and go for that dream? Or is is there an expiration date
1: on that? I don't think there's an expiration date for anybody's dreams if they want to chase them. Um, That's my
0: soundbite. That's that's a perfect soundbite right there.
1: Vic, please mark that. (laughs) No, just that, uh, you know, the, the dream's always kind of changing a little bit too after being out here for so long. I mean, We all have dreams of of getting our music out there to people and uh, communicating with them and having fans that that appreciate what we do. Um, But for me, an option of going home or going somewhere else, I also think, you know, you live in a big city long enough and you're going to get that, you know, I could just move out in Montana somewhere and get a little shack and, Mm -hmm. you know, raise uh, alpacas and, and whatnot. I think that's that's what the Unabomber did, Eric, hold on. (laughs) Well, I I don't, I mean, everybody gets that fantasy of wanting to, you know, get away from the entire world of Fonzies jumping sharks. Right. And and go somewhere. But really, once you're in it, uh, why stop, you know? No. And that's the thing.
0: You have everything you just said, you have been able to accomplish. And everything's on different levels. I understand that, like whether you know it's being on a huge late-night talk show or hosting a hosting a uh, you know a rough and tumble ragtag podcast like we have here, uh, the trenches, everything's relative. And we're building up fans. You build up fans all throughout the years there are true you know hardcore Eric Dover fans out there that that wait for every single release that comes out so in a way all these dreams and hopes you have accomplished but you keep i love the idea you said there's no expiration date on dreams because you keep going to another type of goal and achieving that and achieving that with your different sort of musical projects and one of the most uh, I guess, influential and, and de- closest to your heart projects has always been your your solo uh, band called Sextus. And I was actually uh, very lucky to be a part of one of those versions, of one of those lineup versions, where I thought that, that version was a
1: killer, killer lineup. And it was... Uh, do you remember who was in it? Uh, gosh, it's been a few years back. And we were doing a showcase for... Um, for it was Madonna's, yeah, there's Ron Zubula, Eric Scotus, Chris DeClerc, Mitchell Sigmund, and Joe Carnes, who's now with Fritz and the Tantrums.
0: That was a uh, different lineup, but the lineup I'm talking about, I believe, had Teddy Zigzag on keyboards. Oh, that's right. Ted was in it for a minute. Um, uh, Chuck Garrick actually
1: played some bass for that showcase, didn't he? I want to say Chuck- he did. I think you're right. Yeah, it's hard to remember because it was a, a few years ago, and then after that, I think I got the lineup uh, that you saw in the picture, right. and then we we played uh, what was it, Spaceland, or whatever the hell it became, wound mm. up becoming, and I think that was the last show I ever did for Sextus. After that, they shut it down. So, <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Why
0: did you name it Sextus, and have you ever put out? in Eric Dover's solo, or is just is sexist just an an alter ego of Eric Dover?
1: I think it's just a part of a um, you know a persona that I adopted uh, years ago. I, I had it in my head that I kind of wanted to uh, have a persona, you know, a I almost feel like Eric Dover is too boring, like <laughs> just me at room temperature sitting around. I mean, you're not likely. To go, hey, what a fascinating guy! You know, I mean, knows a lot about quantum mechanics. Uh, but but sexist was a way for me to uh, to kind of take that uh, what your id or whatever and kind of and run with it for fun. Um, did, so. did you have did you have sexist um,
0: in your head in the back of your head during all the incarnations of the bands that you were going through? Whether it was you know because if we go way, way back, um, you're, we're talking, whoa, that is Vic. Our producer just put something way, way back. That's nicely done, man. Some nice bell bottoms. That's Eric Dover in Birmingham, Alabama. So if we go way, way back to Birmingham, Alabama. Were you thinking, um, back then of this alter ego or when did the idea come? Because I would say one of the first bands that I, uh, recognized you from and and was able to see you from. I actually saw one of the first Mm -hmm. gigs I think you might've played with the band Jellyfish. It was at Magic Mountain. Right. And and, um, what year was that? And, you know, like how long had you been playing in the LA scene before Jellyfish came about?
1: I had not been playing in LA scene at all. I'm a, a transplant, of course. So I, Came out here. That was in '93, and uh, I think '93, late '92. Was that your lot first of
0: gig? Your jellyfish?
1: Uh, uh, not Magic Mountain, no. But okay. it was one of the it was one of the first of, of the shows that we had done. And then so many of our, my friends have, were at that show. You and I mean, just tons of my LA friends were at that show, which is, was pretty amazing. Yeah. You, know, you found out about it years later. Hey, I was at that show. I'm like, wow, I remember it. So, we played a matinee show as well. I wanted to say
0: that that was one of the first shows of the tour. Yeah, I mean, you went on before Puppet Show, or was it after Puppet Show? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've
1: told them once, I've told them a thousand times. <laughs> um, you, I'm just as God made me, sir. <laughs> Cripple! Cripple!
0: (laughs) We're going back to that word. (laughs) Jumping the shark. Jumping the shark. Oh, my God. So anyhow, and, and just to clarify what jumping the shark means, it's when basically something's run its course and you get canceled. And we were saying that I guess that was the episode that did it. And I was wondering, and I asked Eric, if the equivalent of that for Guns N' Roses was the estranged video, and then we add the conspiracy that all fish will basically end your uh, sort of whatever career that you have at that point, and then of course you can reinvent yourself later on because Henry Linkler certainly has with you know, um, God, Henry Winkler's is amazing with so many stuff that he's done. His his yeah. po- post fawns,
1: if you think about it. Oh yeah, his post fawns. Television career was pretty pretty good. I mean, he was was a good actor. Arrested development one of my favorites
0: Yeah, never you know And then then he's on a newer one just recently with the guy um, It's called Ben or somebody plays an assassin. He plays the acting coach. Have you seen that?
1: No, no, enough
0: about Henry Winkler. Let's get back to (laughs) Let's get back to jellyfish and I saw that show at uh, Magic Mountain, but I also saw you guys I think on your last show of that tour um, at the Palladium, oh, no, not Palladium, the, the Palace on New York, in Los Angeles on Hollywood and Vine. I mean, it's it's weird that I was a little bit I wasn't cyber stalking you folks because there was no cyber at that point. I was just basically showing up at these gigs and seeing Eric Dover play before I ever met him. Now at that point, you were also being courted by Slash. Am I right?
1: Uh, no, that came about after Jellyfish disbanded. So the story is, is uh, the last show that Jellyfish played was at the State Palace Theater in New Orleans. Okay. After that, we broke up, and um, I went back to Alabama and started working in a music store. And then one day I get a call. The day that Kurt Cobain killed himself, Roger Manning called me up and goes, hey, why don't you come out to Los Angeles and let's write some songs? And so I came out after that. Uh, and during that time, uh, Mark Danzizen, a drummer friend that I I know you're, you you know as well, great, great, great guy,
0: yeah, great songwriter himself, great great voice. He's sang backgrounds as as you have on um, most of my solo stuff. You know, I, I rely on you guys completely for your you know incredible genius
1: in, in your voices. Yeah, so Mark Danzizen was was involved as well. Well, he we were. Uh, playing with him at mates rehearsal and he mentioned that slash was looking for a singer. So yes during the time that Imperial drag was forming uh, I basically got into slash as well at the same time. So I had a deal with Sony already while I was on the road with slash uh, essentially uh, so, Yeah, So
0: that's maybe where I saw you at the palace and maybe it wasn't a uh, Jellyfish show it might have been a Imperial drag show. I know it was one or the other But, I mean, it it is a little bit um, a sort of amalgamation of the two because Roger Manning, the key uh, member of Jellyfish, one of the founding members of Jellyfish, ends up being a founding member of Imperial Drag and then brings you along for that ride. You guys end up forming Imperial Drag. And Eric Skotis, amazing drummer as well. Um, Wonderful. yeah, have you have you kept in touch with any of the Imperial Drag guys over? Well, obviously you're you're still in touch very much so with Roger because here's here's how that little piece of thread goes through the needle. Is is that um, you're still in a band with Roger Manning after all these years?
1: Yeah, crazy how that works out, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That was that kind of started in 2017 where uh, Tim and Roger were they had started talking again after several years and seeing if they wanted to write some music and they were kind enough to call me and I I was all for it Uh, because we just we've always had a lot of fun making music writing music you know whatever whatever we've been involved with together just like when we have played together we've had uh, so much fun and a lot of mirth and joy has been uh, made through Mm -hmm. through the years you know so it was was definitely an easy sell for me to get back in in the trenches Hey, yeah, buzzword, yeah. So,
0: um, so basically, the the if you want to do it in chronological order, the relationship with you and and Roger has been jellyfish to Imperial Drag to what is now the Licorice Quartet. Or, is, or is there anything else in between? Because and obviously, Roger's done well for himself. You know, just as just as a solo artist, but he also plays. um, Does he still play? keyboards with Beck?
1: Yes, he does. He's in Beck's band. Um, he's played keys on the last five Morrissey records. Um, he does all sorts of sessions. And then uh, then we've been doing a lot of sessions too, since we started this whole uh, uh, endeavor up of, of releasing some music after so many years. So we're extremely grateful that people have received it as well as they have, because Jellyfish fans are pretty hard to uh please sometimes so (laughs) response overall has been very good so
0: what was that transition like how did that first call come from jellyfish i've always wanted to ask you this but never really been in the situation whether we're on a bus or whether we're backstage but i mean did you ever meet Jason Faulkner? Because he's the person that you, I believe, took his place at that point, or, you know, I don't know what happened with that
1: whole situation with Jellyfish. Did you guys ever have any contact together? Well, funny enough, now that you mention it, I, I know that we've met once for sure, uh, but I don't remember it because I was probably pretty torched. <laughs> so uh and i couldn't tell you when or why or when when that happened but i i think we've met once you know according to lore so and i i, I love jason i think he's amazingly talented
0: very talented from um,
1: from the ba- from the band the grays as well his, as well as his solo stuff
0: but did you do you know what the situation um was when you got into the band had, had jason and jellyfish departed on quite quick notice? Or did you have like, was it one of the situations where you got a phone call and said,
1: Hey, you have to learn 20 songs by next week? No, it didn't happen like that. Um, What had happened was Tim Smith was playing with a band called the producers, which I know that you're familiar with them. Yes. Uh, You know, great pop band from Atlanta. Uh, And I had a band called Love Bang at the time and we were showcasing uh, some music, Uh, you know, shopping around the labels and I got wind of an open audition of Jellyfish. So I went home and got on my eight track recorder and recorded um, a couple of songs. One of them was No Matter What by Badfinger, which I didn't even know that they had covered, which was pretty interesting. But we were which, all into Which the we to this
0: day together when we do a show, like for instance, on the last tour that we did with Lost Angels. And there's another band that we're in, and I didn't even have that in my notes because it's just, Eric and I have played in so many bands together with Alice Cooper or Glam Nation, or and, and then there's like his solo stuff as well as my solo stuff, and then there's the Lost Angels as well. And <laughs> Vic, our producer, just put up a photo of the one of the last tours that we went on before the world shut down, and that tour van looks much more opulent,
1: folks, than the actual tour. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's an understatement (laughs) but but go
0: ahead continue with the story i'm sorry i just got excited about no matter what and uh because because that song is such a great bad finger song and you recorded a version for it for for
1: jellyfish huh well yeah i did that um gosh i think i wrote a few songs uh but reasonably quickly and this was crazy because you know this is back before you had your. A really a lot of FedEx and, you know, just send something through the, uh, ship something. You you would send the cassette back in the old days. You'd put a stamp on it and send it to Los Angeles. They were, and they were mixing uh, at Oceanway, so uh, Roger called me within a couple of days, actually, and said, oh, you're pretty good. Uh, do you want to come out and audition? And I was completely petrified and terrified, um, but I gladly did it. Uh, actually, I had strep throat when I auditioned. I don't even know how I made it through the audition, really.
0: Wow. Okay. But it obviously worked out. And then so much so that, uh, you know, you go on with Jellyfish and then putting Imperial Drag together, which is, again, with Roger. But then Slash sort of here's wind of you and you guys hear wind of him, And he wants you as just the lead vocalist for – Slash uh, snake, but did you, cause Gilby was in that lineup as well. And here you are coming from a guitar background. Was that your first sort of just fronting a band?
1: Uh, well, I've always been singing and playing.
0: No, but that's what I'm saying. Was it your first gig where you oh. just fronted
1: without the guitar? Yeah, certainly, certainly was. And uh, I had some ropes to learn. I mean, I, I, I played a lot of, rock and roll in the south and playing around the you know chitlin circuit what have you sororities and thing you know parties but uh so i had a lot of hard rock experience singing and playing but never fronting uh Mm. so that it was an education all of a sudden you're in front of thousands of people and they're like hey this is an axel you know this guy looks like (laughs) shocker end of the loss <laughs> <laughs> <da, da>, <laughs> but you know the thing is i
0: can't decide which eric dover i fell in love with more the eric dover behind with the guitar strapped on because i think you and i play great together i think you know like definitely one of my favorite guitar players ever to play off of and i say that with ev- in ev- every interview i think we just had a certain synergy or it's Eric Dover without the guitar, who just, you let him run wild and you let him do what's going to, you let Eric Dover do what Eric Dover's going to do. And at that point, it could be catastrophic. Like if you climb up, you know, sort of a a scaffolding that uh, clearly cannot support your weight. (laughs) Yeah, that, that that experiment didn't work out that well did it <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or if you just you know you so that's the thing folks to see Eric Dover in his natural habitat I think you need to see the two different uh, versions and I guess snake pit was your initiation into that whole you know just being a singer fronting the band
1: uh, yeah and it, it was huge shoes obviously to have have to try to fill um, but wow. you know, uh, I, it's no different than when I was six years old and, uh, or like David Lee Roth used to say, you know, my parents would, I'd get home from school and have monkey hour and that's, <clears throat> it was entertainment time. As you can see, <laughs> um, it's a great photo, Vic. my it. sister, Tina, I think that's from about 1969, 70, maybe mm-hmm. I still yeah. miss that, that play school biplane thing. Sit there and watch Captain Kangaroo, and have your cereal in the morning. I can't
0: believe that has. If you go back to that picture, Vic, I can't believe that 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 sort of. I, I know which one exactly you talk about. I think we all had it. It's kind of like a xylophone. It's like the beginning version of a xy- xylophone. I can't believe that has not made it onto a licorice quartet album yet, or maybe it has.
1: Well, yeah. Wait a wait a little bit. I think we could uh, we could arrange for that. <laughs> Start sampling that. But my dad was a kind of guy. This is pretty funny. I mean, uh, you know, he he was he had a job on the road. He worked for Pillsbury, so he would uh, usually every Christmas he would get a bunch of money in his pocket, start drinking, and go to like Sears or J.C. and try to barter with the salespeople and buy toys and stuff. You know, that's like so
0: late, he, late night Amazon shopping
1: for me now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know. You would you would see his mindset like what was he thinking when he got this for me and why did he hide it underneath the couch cushions for me to find after Christmas? I mean, <laughs> impulse buy. He just, he, I get you know he made it fun though. Mm. both my parents did so. Wow, I love it. But you're bringing me back.
0: I, well, actually, I brought myself back here to Los Angeles uh, last night. We were drinking. You know, and let me test you real quick because it had been quite a many years since I had this cocktail and I'm sitting here with Paul Blazik. I can't believe we haven't had a Paul Blazik sighting. It's almost like Sasquatch. Um, (laughs) He's got a gig, so he said he might be coming in and out of this room. Maybe we'll get a a special appearance by Paul Blazik. But last night, as our cocktail of choice, I said, what about if we go to old school and we drink a little bit of vodka and orange juice? Because I haven't had that drink in about maybe – 20, 30 years plus. And then we both tried to remember the name of that drink. Eric Dover, do you know the name of what they call a vodka and orange juice? Isn't that a screwdriver? We couldn't think of that name. It was a screwdriver. And and then we started ringing out all the old school names of cocktails that you'd have as a a teenager when I think you'd borrow liquor from your parents and never give it back to them. But uh, there there was a Greyhound. What's a Greyhound? Greyhound is the same thing, vodka, but it has grapefruit juice ah you see so so and then all this is sort of uh sort of going and morphing into what became the drink of the 90s and probably 2000s for both of us at one point was the vodka cranberry oh yeah which was pretty much the staple in the at least in my version of snake pit well you know and was it the
1: version in snake Pit version one Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that and uh, I mean, I I was drinking Jack Daniels and jellyfish though. Oh, very and good. then I then I made the switch, and it was like Slash was like, "Hey, try this." That you know? seems
0: different. I would I would assume jellyfish more of a of, of a vodka type type of you know colorful sort of you know psychedelic type of thing, and then Jack Daniels. But I like the switch that you made because we wouldn't Slash always say just put a little bit of
1: cranberry in there for. For color or something like that. Yeah, you did, and then you remember uh, uh, Greg Smith, you know, saying, "We're gonna have a shot of the brown liquor." You know, <laughs> well, before we go on. Greg Smith, bass player of Alice Cooper.
0: What version did we play together in that? Was that like uh, it, Brutal Planet? That's right. It? That was that was the, uh, the Dragon Town Brutal Planet, somewhere around that era. That's right. Wow. Yeah. All right. That was uh, It was fun, funny times. Yes, we've been talking alcohol. We've been talking Fonzie. We've been talking uh, Eyes of Alice Cooper. There's a nice picture of the lineup of Eyes of Alice Cooper lineup with uh, Eric Singer on the left. There it is, Eric Dover, our guest today with a beautiful white SG. That's that young, young, vivacious little singer right there called Alice Cooper in the middle. It's so weird. He looks just like a kid. He's a child right there. And that's me with my best, I don't know, kind of, Boy band impersonation and Chuck Garrick on the right, looking uh, very John Cougar Mellencamp meets um...
1: Greg Kinn. I don't know, <laughs> and a little bit of a Greg Kinn vibe. I love it. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about doppelgangers that well, but <laughs> yeah, right, David. That white SG belongs to Eric Singer, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, right. So it was a prop guitar. Oh, fucking looks beautiful though.
1: It's tr- it's crazy how most drummers that I know have better guitars than I do.
0: Yeah, I know. And and can usually play better than us as well. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> well some let's let's do something, Eric. Let's take a quick break. Um let's do a quick commercial for our one of our sponsors because I am on the road with Bayer Dynamic and I'm using their headphones right now. We'll do a quick res- uh commercial break and then we will come back and let the people speak of course and then talk a little bit about what you're up to exactly right now the new releases of uh sexist and the new releases of um the licorice quartet so we're here with eric dover folks on in the trenches uh enjoy this hello ryan roxy here host of the in the trenches podcast and i also play guitar for alice cooper i just wanted to take a second to talk about what mike you're hearing me speak through and what headphones I choose to listen to all my audio with. My go to podcast and live performance mic is this TG V70 Dynamic Vocal Mic. And when I'm recording acoustic stuff, I'll always mic it up with the Biodynamic M160 Double Ribbon Mic. I listen to everything with the DT1770 Pro headphones, unless I'm out and about. That's when the Evento Wireless headphones really make listening to music, podcasts, or any other audio app that's on my phone ultra high fidelity. And latency free. Check out their official site or the links below in the description of this video to find out more about what makes Biodynamic musicians' choice in pro audio mics and headphones. Now let's get back into the trenches for some more rock and roll. Enjoy the show, enjoy the ride. See, we do it quickly. It's quick and painless. I, I think um, you know I, nobody wants to hear about how they can shave their back with Manscaped, although they could be a good sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't want to lag it on for two or three minutes. I'm not disparaging manscape, and I'm not disparaging uh,
1: removing hair that, at places you don't want it at all. But uh, it's well, yeah. You could do the uh, Doctor Sasquatch soap thing. You know that, uh, that was a very hairless
0: guy. You're, you're you you do not ever have to worry about that. I've, I've I've been I've been up and close and personal for years and years. You have you have a very Hairless body, and at one point I did too. Holy smokes. I think Was you're that... pretty hairless. Yeah, well, That's I mean, nice. n- never waxed. If you stay on that picture, Vic, um, because you knew I'd say that, um, but this is actually the show of uh, Glam Nation where I believe I called um, Alice Cooper the god, or I called Ace Freely the godfather of glam or some. I called either Ace or Alice, which is quite – ironic because we're going on tour in just a couple weeks with ace fraley and alice cooper Um, the thing is i I called one of them the godfather of glam and then we had to apologize and it was a much like remember it was like the beatles scenario where john lennon said he was bigger than the beatles and we and teddy kept hitting this sample saying i never said it Uh, what i said and what i said it was wrong
1: (laughs) (laughs) i remember that I never say we were better than, the, uh, bigger than God, uh, yeah. Oh better man. Than,
0: I never said I was, we, Glam Nation was better, it was something like that. And then at one point, when, when we broke into, which you sang a beautiful rendition of Martha Hoople's All the Young Dudes, um, didn't we have a sort of really cheesy eight by 10 of Alice
1: come down? And he was the real godfather of glam? That's right, we did. Yeah, you, you'd rigged that up, I remember now. I, th- I, that was a pretty interesting show because Ace blew my amp up that night, you remember? Oh shit, no. no he, he, well, he totally, but I had 100 watts, 73 Marshall, very nice amp, and I remember he goes into the backstage and he goes, what gauge strings you got on this? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, 10s. And then he just proceeds to go on the stage, 100 watts and dimes all the controls. <laughs> And it lasted about two songs and then went, so yeah. Oh my God, yeah. It was loud. I do remember
0: that. You know, talking, we rigged a lot of stuff up at the uh, gig on Melrose on those Sunday nights. It was quite fun. I, I will always remember. It, it, the thing is, you. I don't think you can find any footage of those shows. I think you just had to be there. And that's what's weird about the difference of that time. It wasn't that long ago, but you imagine if people had cell phone cameras back then, it would be legendary, those
1: shows. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was a bit before um, a few bands that kind of do that thing now that I won't name, but I think we were, we were kind of going for that tongue in cheek, fun celebrity skin sort of uh, vibe, you know, because we liked that that we reenacted
0: of- the Rod Stewart stomach pumping incident <laughs> <laughs> at Club Makeup. I while I'm talking, see, I would never, my <laughs> oh, memory right. at some point, like like those <laughs> those hyperlinks to those memories, like would never have snapped off unless I was talking to you, Eric Dover. But do you, it was Club Makeup, right? Is that where we did it?
1: That was a fantastic show, too. Cherie Curie was a on it she came and sat sang a few songs with us i remember
0: but w- wasn't there a little cat fight between sherry curry and the fabulous ashley right that night
1: i believe there was there was some kind of kerfuffle i think that went down um
0: i i remember i distinctly remember fabulous ashley saying what's that lady doing here that's my song <laughs> and and we had to explain we we're like well wait a second. Cherie Curry is the reason why that song is what it is. So she's gotta come up and and sing it. And I, I, there was a little bit of ruffling of the feathers, and it was a little bit of that, you know, you, you know, old dog, new dog, sort of like yeah, a little old cat, new cat. I don't know. Oh yeah. But then okay. we actually went on stage and we, we enacted the um Rod Stewart stomach pumping incident, which I would imagine not a lot of people in our live chat know what that uh, uh, urban legend is. No, no, no. But th- what other urban legends do you remember growing up?
1: I think that was probably the biggest one, if there ever was one. You know, yes. um, uh, there's a you know the other urban legend. Uh, what is it? Ohio players love roller coaster.
0: Yes, there it, was a murder. There was a murder there, during. Uh, there's a murder going on. I can't believe you had that one because, I don't know, did you hear that one in in, in Alabama? Because I heard it in California. And 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 people that are listening to this podcast going, what the hell is, who are Ohio players? (laughs) Great, great funk rock band of art, my youth, right? Oh yeah. some of the best album covers, some
1: of the most, what's wrong with being sexy? (laughs) If only more people would be sexy, then we wouldn't have this problem of people jumping sharks.
0: A little bit, it's a little with sexist type of, uh, not sexist, but sexist. This is is a difference, folks. (laughs) What's wrong with being sexy? Uh, The Ohio players, but please tell the people the story of the song Roller Coaster, made famous by Red Hot Chili Peppers. I guess we have to preface it with that in later years. But the original, Roller coaster, down, down, What happened, and what's your version of that urban legend? I love it.
1: Well, what I'd heard in that urban legend, it wasn't it wasn't a murder so much as it was someone at an amusement park on a roller coaster. That's what I'd heard. That they were on a roller coaster and they fell off of it and and died and screamed on the way down. But uh-huh. then I have, then I went and heard later, you know of the other one, oh, somebody was just murdered in the studio or something. That's you know? the one I heard.
0: I heard the one that was, there was a stabbing in the studio and it chilled me to the bone as a little kid because it was like those things like when you'd say, if you listen to the uh, Led Zeppelin record backwards, it'll give you subliminal messages, you know? We used to love to do that
1: though, because, you know, did you hear it? I don't know, did you hear it?
0: <laughs> let try it again. What was Led Zeppelin t- trying to tell
1: us? Oh man, they've they've told us so much already, <clears throat> but they were, I early,
0: they were early on jumping the shark. But it was something else with the shark. I think Led Zeppelin did. Oh, uh, <laughs> they, they were plunging the shark. That's not urban legend. I think that's fact.
1: That actually happened. That's yeah. uh, that's uh, involving red snappers, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> another um, another fish story here on in the trenches. Um, oh no now watch out no more fish stories every everything keeps breaking up yeah
0: (laughs) well check let's let's die let's pull our heads out of the fish right now or or pull something out of the fish pull the fish out of something and let's talk about uh currently what has got uh eric dover going because this is the main event as well folks we're uh this new band that you have that you have put together with Roger Manning. Please tell us about everybody else that you put the band together with, how its incarnation happened, and what you guys are releasing now.
1: Okay, uh, well, the name of the project or band, if you will, is The Licorice Quartet. And that's actually taken from a uh, an Italian softcore movie that goes by the same name. It's spelled licorice like lick, instead of licorice the candy which we all in the band don't like and uh never like licorice.
0: i mean uh, i mean and it was always the only choice it was red licorice or black licorice and i liked neither except when i discovered sambuca or ouzo or any of those types of you know sort of drinks
1: that'll get you yeah i'll drink the sambuca and the ouzo but the licorice yeah. Kind of yeah. does a weird thing for me. Anyway, if you get a chance, see uh, the Licorice Quartet, the movie, because it's it's quite um, fun for the time it was made. Is beautifully it beautifully fe- shot?
0: Is it Fellini esque?
1: It's uh, well, not not violent uh, in the Fellini sense, but it's it's um, yeah, it's it's beautifully shot. Uh, it's kind of a psychological sort of romp, if you will, and there's nudity. So I mean. I've always been a fan of nudity in films uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, well, at least in the 60s, the way that it was done seemed, I mean, all the Russ Meyer movies, and, you know, I can still watch those and go, Kitten the Tivadad, woo! You
0: know, when you say Russ Meyer movies, immediately what comes to uh, mind is Faster, Pussycat, Kill, Kill, which another band got their name from. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. The band Kill Kill. No, I'm talking, of course, about the band Pastor Pussycat. And, uh, yeah, so uh, you, names of bands come from movies a lot,
1: I believe. Oh, we had a massive list. I mean, at least 500 names or more that we'd all come up with. And then Roger's like, hey, I think this would be the way, uh, what to call it. And we're like, hey, that's pretty cool. So it stuck. And uh, Let me just take you back, like, a
0: little bit back in the past but it still has something to do with liquor quartet how did the name Imperial drag
1: come around uh, again from a list a big long list I mean you, you've named bands before so you know how hard it can be yeah, I mean, yeah. You're like hey I'm gonna call this band you know the, uh, the uterine fan or something and you find out it's already taken and they've already got a their own website so no. The Ron uh, Jeremy
0: Furries or something like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the hedgehogs. The hedgehogs. But the
0: thing yeah. is, what does Imperial Drag mean to you or to every to you know? Because it's a very cool name, cool two words, but is, is is it some sort of statement or did these just two words
1: that sound cool together? What is an Imperial Drag? Well, it was uh I th- well, we, we kind of wanted to go for something that had a, a sort of regalness about it, I guess, if anything. Um, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty because, you know, Imperial Teen came out at the exact same time.
0: And then there we were know.
1: Imperial Drag, so this was kind of before the internet. So now you would, uh, you I remember not too long ago, you could type in Imperial Drag, but it would pull up all these results of like drag... you know, drag balls and all this other stuff. I think there's actually an imperial drag ball or something. Um, But we didn't know at the time we were just like, uh,
0: electric angels was always in competition or not competition because they blew us out of the water. But it was electric boys electric love hogs. uh, You know, the cult record at that point, which was called I think just electric. So yeah, we had the same sort of battles that we flew. Um, but currently, with you now getting back up to date with Lickers Quartet, you, you have the name of the band, you have the members of the band. Um, what's the recording process like? Because I remember when we went on to the uh, last Los Angeles tour, you were playing me some of these tracks, you were playing me some of these um, uh, sort of demos that you had recorded, which, by the way, folks, uh, and Eric Dover uh, influenced demo is probably good for anybody's record, final record, <laughs> mastered mix, but, uh, they sounded great. Uh, what was the whole process of getting this, this record out there and the EP and what is the sort of, you know, pace that you're going with, uh, licorice quartet? Uh,
1: well, <clears throat> those, uh, those tracks I played you, which I remember that day quite well, that was a beautiful drive. Uh, up in Scotland, it was one of the most beautiful drives I've ever been on up there. And um, so we'd already recorded the drums by this point and put on a few of the few of the instruments. Uh, the drum, the uh, the fine drummer on those tracks is none other than Jeremy Stacy, who plays with King Crimson, oh, and wow. we're we're old friends from way back too, um, from the Jellyfish days. So uh, he was kind enough to come to Los Angeles and and do the tracking. Um, but we started just bouncing ideas around in a room before all the uh, you know shit hit the fan essentially. Right. So we got to go, got together over at my um, at a little at a studio at the time, and we would just sit there for hours and go, "Hey, what do you think about this?" "Oh, that sucks," or you know, we would genie each other you know I mean, you're eating too much sugar but <laughs> folks just
0: so you know whenever there's a, a reference to janine or anything like that that's a spinal tap reference and if you haven't seen Spinal tap that's rock and roll 101 that you need to go educate yourself with because it's not just a movie it's a it's a basically a handbook
1: yeah it's a way of it's a way of life but yeah. uh, i digress i mean i, I I probably should uh, quote other movies occasionally, but that one seems to resonate the most.
0: Um, like Bad News, or was it? Is this the only other ones that you know? I quote from. Was it the Bad News, the English version of uh, Spinal Tap? Yes, even it was. Though, even though Spinal Tap is based on an English band, they're all American actors. But I don't have to educate you folks that are listening on in the trenches to Spinal Tap. If you ha- if you are listening and you haven't seen Spinal Tap, go rent it right now and just then you'll know exactly what we're talking. Because Janine is the sort of Yoko Ono, if you will, of the uh, heavy metal scene. Oh, no. Yes, indeed she is. <laughs> so go on and, and, and tell how this uh, licorice quartet uh, process is continuing.
1: Well, we um, I think we took about two weeks to kind of get all of the songs together. And that was, you know, eight, ten hour days of just sitting there with the basics, you know, singing to each other, singing melodies. And I was just kind of hanging on by the, the skin of my teeth, you know, just like trying to figure out what I could contribute, but I mean, I have hours and hours and hours of song ideas. They're just not all developed or you know recorded truthfully yet. So I had to to run a few of them by uh, those guys before they were kind of like, oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, But not everything wrote itself uh, immediately either too. You'd start and you'd you'd make a good start with a song, but then later you would go, oh, I think it needs a bridge or, uh you know bagpipes here pan flute um zamphir you know is there multiple lead singers in in Liquor's quartet yes we all sing we all take turns uh singing the songs that we brought which was cool and and we're really what well, for what we do together we're all really going for this uh this ensemble sound we love to sing and, and harmonize together that's one of the big challenges of this whole project if it, if it were just a kind of a standard rock band you wouldn't if it was liam gallagher you know you might have noel every once in a while going eh. but <laughs> but these are like well i love oasis but like uh, these are crazy arrangements as well uh thanks to uh roger's genius he's really good at that so yeah
0: i i remember back in the day watching uh jellyfish shows and just admiring the live there was never any tapes or anything like that It was just live uh, harmonization going on is that what really got your chops going with harmony because you always have been really great at harmonies but uh was that your first sort of
1: diving into live harmonies that was uh, jellyfish was the first time and you know I, I grew up too i mean i've always loved singers and my mom was a good singer, too. She never pursued it. But um, uh, Doo-Wop and Frank Zappa and stuff like that when I was a kid also, all those vocal traditions sort of uh, kind of crept along with me along the way. So by the time we got in, uh, got together in Jellyfish, those were grueling, grueling vocal rehearsals for hours. Damn. But, you know, you weren't even with the full production. You were sitting there trying to, to get your pitch right and sing with – the other guys to make that, you know, that other entity, as it were. So uh, it was boot camp, pure and simple.
0: There you go. When I think of the great uh, vocal harmonization bands, I will think of Jellyfish and Motley Crue.
1: Yes, Uh, please. (laughs) So there was a bit of a kerfluffle with uh, people saying that Karabi was going to go back with him, and he kind of put a stop to that. He did, but, I mean,
0: that did seem like a – that was just recent news, folks, and we do try to get topical on In the Trenches because um, John Karabi is another uh, sort of brethren, a brother of ours, rock and roll brother. He's um, been in the trenches for many years. How did that you just heard about that, right? He just put a stop to who stopped who started the actual rumor that he would go back to Motley.
1: I don't know but there was a rumor mill for sure because it was a couple of rumors like yeah. uh people were saying that they'd had secret rehearsals and and all this and uh well right. you and i kind of both know that he he's successful on his own he doesn't really need to to go back to the past you know and he's got some new music out as well pretty cool
0: okay i mean that
1: but does that does that
0: is that convenient then all of a sudden it's all over blabbermouth and, and and by the way you know what let's go full let's go full screen for a second vic i just want to make sure no me full screen come on there you go i just want to make sure that everyone knows that slash from guns and roses has not gotten in touch with me to reform snake pit along with my cohort guest today jc jackson there you know eric Dover. if you can you put both of us on, Vic, please? Because we this is a very important statement that I'm making right now. I just want to make sure that Slash, yes, from Guns N' Roses, the Slash has not uh, gotten in touch with us to reform a version of Slash's Snake Pit so that Eric Dover and I could play, again, play together on stage. Um, but we both have new music coming out, so if you'd like to check out Eric's website or my website, it would be great. So there you go, there's our public service announcement. <laughs> Let's see if that makes the ticker.
1: (laughs) Yeah, if that hits the old metal sludge ticker. (laughs) But, uh, you know, know, what is it? it, it, It's amazing that we were able, we've been involved with that. Such a weird story of of just the incarnations of of Snake Pit, you know, and how we've never actually been able to to do that together. I mean, and Mm. Rod Jackson as well, a great singer. Yes. Um, So we should have a big dollar night and you know raise money for charity or something you know yes
0: we would love to do a charity gig with slash from guns and roses if they you know but but we just want to make sure that that has not happened we want to clarify that, that we have not gotten that call we're squashing them. i love yeah. it <laughs> you know you sell the disease sell the cure <laughs> well that being said with the new music you have coming out um, I know that Vic put up the title a couple times already, but is this the newest album? Is this the newest video that's out right now,
1: The Dream That Took Me Over? Yes, it is. Um, and uh, we're probably uh, we're in the process of completing the third EP right now, so uh, we'll probably do some kind of video stuff for that. Um, on HEP, how many songs on HEP so far? There's four. Uh, we recorded a, a dozen songs, and... We're going to, uh, you know, after this release, uh, and as you know, or may not know, the, uh, the supply chains for things like vinyl and stuff were really backed up. So um, everything really got put it, uh, pushed back quite a bit. Um, but we're hard at work on completing this third one, and it's pretty ambitious, actually. We've got some, uh, some real strings this time, which is cool. Never, I've never been able to uh, be a part of something like that. Roger arranged a beautiful string section for us on a track. And
0: uh, what I love is that this is so Eric Dover, folks. You're part of a trilogy, aren't you?
1: We are. You know, it really is. And you know, Tim Smith as as always is writing some amazing music. So we're really excited to get it out. I just, I'm still a mound of work ahead. You know how it is. You, you dread that part. I mean, it's uh, just because it takes so much focus for me because I only have like three brain cells.
0: <laughs> well, there was a, actually a, a comment that came up a little bit earlier that Vic had put up. It was about the studio that you guys were recording and using, and they mentioned Howard Benson's studio. Um, and I'm not sure if there was any truth to that. Where did you guys record that? I know Vic's looking for that comments again as uh, I give that to him because I, I feel that. The, Honestly, folks, when, you have, when you're and you in the live chat, I really appreciate – we all appreciate your comments and everything that comes in. That's why the live chat works. We appreciate you being here early or late, whatever your time zone, or catching the rebroadcast. But, uh, yeah, Kenneth asked a question. What studio are you guys using, um, West Valley or Sunset Sound? Or, or,
1: well, we, we? Uh, we use Ken Sluter's place to track drums. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also use uh, Frankie Sergusa's place in uh, – he played, he's the drummer for the posies he has a really nice studio in Highland Park so we're able to do a, a majority of the stuff at Frankie's uh, Frankie's also another you know like a fifth beetle of really we we uh, love him and he, he actually he helps us a, a great deal um, so between those two studios we got the majority of of everything done and then uh, for this the second EP and this last one we're obviously kind of locked in, uh, but we all have home studios. So have you been able to
0: release any sort of lyric videos or uh, proper videos, whatever you want to call it these days um, on YouTube that people can check? Not now folks, but after this podcast is over, they um, do you have anything uh, like a YouTube channel where you have these lyric videos for the first two EPs of licorice quartet?
1: Uh, yes, we do. At uh, the Licorice Quartet channel on YouTube, there's um, a lyric video for a beautiful song that Tim wrote called uh, There's a Magic Number. Uh, and so we have a little uh, kind of a quarantine performance edited together, you know. He, and, Portland, and Tim didn't
0: get any, he didn't catch any shit from Scholastic Rock for that? <laughs>
1: I'm just a bill, i only a bill. Yeah. The classic rock, fucking, was awesome though. You have to admit, so good. I also loved uh, the Sesame Street, the number count as one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The jazz scat one with okay. the, the animation with the pinball machine and all that. Do you remember?
0: No, no. I'm I'm count. only thinking Count uh, Count Dracula. He was the one that he would do. You know, I am the Count. I know, Vic, our producer is trying to get shots of now Sesame Street. You're going to get flagged on the internet if you're just like going to Googling Sesame Street children's numbers and then they see your profile, Vic. So please don't do that. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Well, you know what? Folks, it is time to let you ask the questions to our guest, Eric Dover, today, because, um, we're, of course, we're going to let you guys know how to get in touch with Eric Dover in just a little bit. But we want you to keep listening, keep hanging in the uh, live chat that we have, because it is time now for Letting the People Speak. Hallelujah! <laughs> Hallelujah!
1: A uh, lot, of, lot of entertainment bang for your buck here, man. Dude, what do you want for free, man? It's
0: amazing. Um, Let the People Speak is a segment that we have where you have the listener and the uh, viewer have checked out. Um, gotten onto our YouTube official channel, gone onto my Instagram um, at Ryan Roxy official or just at Ryan Roxy and typed in your questions for our guest today, Eric Dover. Our first question that comes up is from our very own at Federica, because we do let people that are close in the circle uh, contribute as well. But then I thought this question was a really great one that said, have lockdowns somehow changed your habits and inspired new songs?
1: What do you think? Uh, well, not, not my habits so much. I, I've, I'm sort of hermetic in a way. I don't, yeah. I mean, usually always working on um, music anyway at the house. Um, that is it,
0: true.
1: You know, the times have inspired a lot of ideas uh, for me, but I, you, you kind of want to keep that. I, I tend to kind of internalize that for a while until I'm ready to actually just sit down and write it, you know, mm-hmm. you know just to keep it fresh would you
0: say the new songs are more slanted towards hopeful or is it more dystopian or does that have anything to do with either?
1: Uh, well, they're, oh, I wouldn't oh. say they're, I wouldn't say that they're, um, oh, yeah, they're, they get dark. I, there's something, um, there's a song on the new EP coming out for licorice quartet and it's, it's a bit dark and of course, uh, could catch some flack for it, but, you know, Could you give us a title? I, Could
0: you give us a little bit of a, or is, is it secret under wraps still?
1: No, no, it's, uh, it's called You All Alone. And uh, so I don't know what the response will be. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see. We, we've kind of run the gamut lyrically, like everything from interpersonal relationships to, um, you know, politics to, uh, you know, broken relationships. I, I think it's real overall. It's not there's nothing forced in it there's nothing worse than trying to hear somebody that is trying to force an emotion and you know I just you either kind of buy it or you don't you know Believability. So. it's
0: basically a potpourri of life is what the uh, licorice quartet is offering on with their songs
1: Yeah, we're trying to do that in a clean, wholesome, friendly manner. Hey.
0: That's Federica right there, and that's who asked the question as well. And Federica, big shout-out to her because she is our social media coordinator for all things in the trenches. Um, Perfect. Well, let me ask you this. We're going to move on. and Not me asking you. It's at I'm underscore the underscore beef underscore 48. Wow, because there was 47 I'm the beef names taken already, it had to be number 48. I'm the Beef ass. what was or is
1: your favorite song to perform live? Do you have one? Hmm. Uh well, not offhand, uh, but I think in the course of like my career, uh when we've played together, I always enjoyed playing um Long Way to Go by Alice Cooper. <laughs> yes. I, love, I love that song. Um yeah. I loved uh, I loved playing joining a fan club jellyfish because it was quite challenging and it was kind of like a Queen tune. Such a great
0: harmonies as well.
1: Yeah, um, and Imperial Drag we had we had a few numbers. Um, I think Breakfast by Tiger was one that I really loved because it kind of had a Zeppelin feel to it. But you know, songs you, you play so many of them through the years that uh, well, I, I always try to enjoy it every time I play it, even if I've played it. a a million times, but those were always enjoyable.
0: Then let let me chime in a little bit, if I I will, because you know I chime in way too much sometimes, but I love chiming in with our guest, Eric Dover. Watching you perform, if this was posed to me, what question was, you know, what's my favorite song to see Eric Dover perform? It's not just the song, it's the time, all right? So think of it and the location. It would be at the Cat Club, It would usually be about 1.50 a.m., so right before closing time. And my favorite song to watch Eric Dover perform would be Sympathy for the Devil, which is a classic Rolling Stones song. It would kind of like be our closer a lot of nights when we would be doing um, uh, – that was another band that we were in together that I didn't even have in the notes, The Other
1: White Meat. (laughs) The Other White Meat, that's right. Man, we've started so many little – Little hey, I was wondering where my Altoids went.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Altoid box. Another name of a band actually could be. I wonder where my Altoids went. But to watch you play, uh, just because you would front that that song, and you, all night we'd play um, two guitar players, you know, playing off each other. You would do, you know, Hot Child in the City. Nick Gilder, for instance, I love. Watch, you know, playing that song with you, um, but for me, watching you perform "Sympathy for the Devil." That's uh, that was really special for me every single night. Just so you know, and "Purple
1: Rain" in Kingman. I think oh it was, yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think we even played uh, "The Beautiful Ones" at one time. Yes, we did. "The Beautiful Ones," a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a support song of that whole "Purple Rain"
0: soundtrack, but an amazing song nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, well, that was, that was always your idea. You always want the, uh, you know, the, I guess it would be the Asian B-side. You can go for air. You can rely on Eric Dover to
1: bring it out. Like,
0: oh, you know, man, that was released yeah. in New Zealand in the 70s. So let's do it. Everyone will know that one.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I even with the people, that, uh, friends that I play with today, it's like we all have kind of eclectic uh, tastes and everything, but. Uh, you know, pulling out, um, what, uh, blowing it all sky high by jigsaw or, <laughs> See, or
0: <laughs> it might, that might exist. It might not. I don't know, but I'm trusting Eric Dover that it actually is a song because you could have just said, yeah, words oh, that's, together. A, that's a real song.
1: Yeah, of course it is. Or, uh, couldn't oh, get it right by climax blues band, like some of the seventies, Kind of stuff. you know get it in the night, couldn't get it right. Oh, I love That's that. That's a very pimp song, man. It's so low rider. Truly,
0: truly is truly. It's it's the underground low rider. Which which low rider we've done as well many many times. <laughs> so, so let's move on to at Jackie two. She asks, "What is the craziest thing someone has asked you to sign?" Ooh
1: a labia probably <laughs> no, i don't think i've ever si- signed them you can't sign labios. it's, not, it's <laughs> physically impossible well it's you know if if, if they're functioning correctly it's the, the surface is too moist
0: <laughs> sharpie ink does not <laughs> penetrate oh did i say penetrate
1: oh,
0: oh. no we just, I... we just jumped the
1: shock and Let mm-hmm. us keep doing it. I, I actually don't have anything that interesting to add to that. I mean, uh, as far as what, what I've signed, I think I have signed boobs, you know, yeah. a few in the time. That's, that's kind of a uh, pedestrian, really. It, no. it, it is pedestrian. It's not crazy anymore. Boobs. Um, no, no. I mean, if somebody came up and said, Hey, could you Sharpie my colon? That would be another story. But <laughs> I've even signed man boobs. Oh, yeah, I'm signing some man boobs. You got to get by the hair and the n- <laughs> nipple hair and all that. And, but, um, you know, a lot of times, too, people would uh, get it. Well, when, when I was in Slash, they would uh, get tattoos of of the signature as well. So you had, you kind of wanted to be careful because you were like, oh, my God, I hope this person isn't going to put my name in ink on, on them because... They might have buyer's remorse the next day or something. Like
0: <laughs> and you know what? Just not to discount anyone or shame anybody, uh, nipple hair does work both ways, both genders. So it's, it's it's not just one gender. It's all genders. too. However you identify with, nipple hair
1: is a thing, and it can it's fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. You know, like, have you ever seen those chickens with the long feathers that go over there? <laughs> That's good, too. <laughs> I don't know what the... Those particular, <laughs> particular stars. You oh, know what? Like, I don't like moon boots or something, you know. There's going to be a lot of our listeners
0: that are going to Google tonight when they go down that porn rabbit hole as they do now. <laughs> they're going to go down, they're going to say nipple hair as one of the tags, and that's completely our fault. So there you go. Oh, it'll be right at home on TikTok. <laughs> If you go back to that photo of you and Slash, um, obviously before you would just signed some uh, somebody's tattoo there, it almost that almost looks like a Disney Kid Channel version of like a rock band sitcom that's going to happen right there. Look how young and precious you guys look. It's oh. like like that is teen
1: idol stuff right there. Pretty mm. amazing, you know, just to go back after all these years and and go, wow, how young was, were we all, you know, I mean, well, but hey, I, I same, same to you. I mean, I think, uh, you know, age is but a number. Mm-hmm. You know, despite what uh, anybody may tell you. you know? <laughs> I wish I wish
0: my skin, my skin would stop acting like a teenager. You know, that's the only thing I'm tired of is like, you know, you know, being in your 50s and dealing with like rosacea and stuff like that. You know, it's like, come on, man. Let that stuff go away when you're a teenager, man. But it is what it is, folks, and I accept it, I embrace it. I
1: embrace my rosacea and I embrace your nipple hair. That's the way I have it. Yeah, I I think it's it's about embracing and acceptance. Uh, And yes, Bonnie, I remember uh, that vaguely. (laughs) Toledo, Ohio.
0: Is that uh, B.H. Bonnie? yeah yeah, okay, nice. Right. okay, so let's move on to Anna at k k. We love at connect. Uh, what is the one thing reason that gives you the strength and motivation to keep on going? Wow. Uh, well,
1: You're I heavy. would say, yeah, that is a heavy question, but there there's just something inside um, like for me, to keep going with music, it's kind of uh, honoring a promise that I made to myself when I was maybe 11, when I first started picking up the instrument, and I just felt it so strongly that I wanted to be in music and and do something with music. And so, whenever I get discouraged, uh, which you know happens because we're only human, uh, you got to remember that. Uh, you can be unsuccessful doing something you absolutely hate. So you might as well try to do something that you love. And so I, I just keep it there. And then that kind of tends to help me at least, you know, deal with waking up in the morning and, and, and continuing. Uh, sometimes it's hard though.
0: I want to circle back at the very end of the show to, to say that that's probably one of the most inspiration, inspirational things that you said, uh, you can be unsuccessful doing something you hate. So you might as well do something you love. In fact, that is your sort of parting words to everyone. uh, I feel that everyone should take away. And the other thing that you said earlier, that there is no expiration on um, dreams and following your dreams. So those two things, Eric, are really, really, really heartfelt and good. I'm so... That's that's great. That's perfect. So if I did have like I have a great producer, we have a great producer with Vic, but if I was to edit this, I would edit that to the end because that's where we end things. But hopefully, we're um, a little ways. Do you have some time, a little bit more time to hang with us?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. I love it. I love it because that's a great question. It's a strange thing where like uh, you go through stages in your life, I think, or where you're like uh, you feel jaded and you're like I don't believe in anything, you know beautiful or magical i don't believe in magic and then one day you kind of wake up and like yeah kind of believe in magic again and it feels good um you know what i mean like uh just having a magical state of mind to be creative yeah. and. Um, dude
0: i believe you just quoted
1: olivia newton john you've got to believe in magic right? right one of my favorite pop songs of all time so much in fact I have, held the, I have held the I've held the 24-track masters what yes years ago a session I did um, for David Holloman he did all the 90s bands he goes here I have something I want to show you 24-track <laughs> real master of magic Livy Newton-John I was like
0: Ding! yeah what a great now that when I think of that what a verse what an amazing uh what, amazing song but honestly that verse to me is one of my you know or or or, or is it with a little more love is it is one of those verses i'm talking about olivia newton john olivia newton john just an amazing artist that i don't think gets enough credit in as far as historically of the influence that she had on on all of our rock and rollers sort of upbringing because were you just not completely in love with Olivia Newton-John back in the day?
1: Oh, hell yeah. And, you know, like, uh, well, I mean, I, I can even say the same thing about John Denver. I mean, we grew up with <laughs> with John Denver, Olivia Newton-John. You know, there was a lot of soft rock. There was a... Uh, dude, I would go so far as to say Christopher Cross had an influence on me in a rock and roll way. Oh, no way, man. Like, sailing was... The biggest, all the older girls in your class, uh, you know, in school, were like, "Christopher Cross," hmm. and then you had your other, uh, other people that were like, "Oh, Pac Man Fever," and you're like, <laughs> you're trying to, rec- you're trying to reconcile the two, you know. <laughs> and a couple of years <laughs> later, it was, was Criss Cross, and they just wore your pants backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Michael Cimbelo came along, and he kind of jacked Christopher Cross's look, but he had the hammer ons, he had the rad guitar solo.
0: I I believe that that Ed Sheeran is the today's Christopher Cross. You think
1: so? Well,
0: perhaps in a way. I'm trying to equate because I saw I just saw Ed Sheeran play uh, opening night at NFL football. Uh, again, completely, one this what one thing is not like the other. It's like, but at the same time, Ed Sheeran writes great songs, so I can understand. You know, for that's the way they want to uh, promote the show. Get as many eyeballs on the, uh, on the, on the artist as possible. And obviously the label is, is promoting his new record and stuff, but like how, what artist would you equate what Ed Sheeran is? Because he's kind of, I, I was telling Paul Blazik who hasn't again, not made an appearance here in his own crypt the whole time. He t- Hey Paul, you're supposed to be up going to a gig. He told me to wake him up at the beginning of this, um, uh, podcast but but the thing is with Ed Sheeran like he's how do you equate him who can you equate him with because I was telling Paul like if he was better looking I don't know if he would be as successful how about that like if he was like a like a boy band teen idol guy would he be as successful or do people sort of say like him because he is a little quirky looking he is a little bit you know sort of like, I can relate to him. We all, he's got that everyday guy sort of vibe to him.
1: I'm not sure. Yeah. I think, I think he, uh, he, he's relatable in that sense. I mean, didn't he, uh, he went out with Taylor Swift at one time, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, he's probably, fuck. It, yeah. Oh yeah. Did you guys get to hang out a bit or never
0: hung out or? with him? But, but you just listen to interviews and stuff like that. And he's He's just funny as hell. And just, you know, just kind of like the way that you you're not expecting him to be as as hilarious as he is. The lead singer of um, uh, Coldplay, for instance, super intelligent, funny guy, Chris. You know, and so you just watch these interviews from people, and I love the way you you're like that. You have a very uh, quirky, intelligent sense of humor. That's why I always enjoy talking with you.
1: Well, same to you, and I, I feel like. Man, like if you do this too, like whether it, you can be a serious artist, uh, but having a sense of humor is gonna it's, it's saved me more than once. I'm sure it's you know, saved you as well. I mean, sometimes you just have to laugh
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's in the way, in the sense that I think when you start having a sense of humor about it, and even Alice cooper, in to a sense, has taken his persona. And of course he's Alice Cooper, the shock rock king of the world, but he's also he could be a funny, quirky, intelligent, quick witted guy as well. And he shows that all the time.
1: Yeah, and I, I learned a lot from him because of that. Like how to how to roll with it. I think he told me once, uh, once you get on the you know, get on the carousel, just you know, hang on. Don't get off. You mm. know, that's the trick.
0: Yeah. I mean,
1: Alice is such a huge fan of Eric Dover and every you know, the never
0: goes a tour by that, that uh, your name doesn't come back in a, in a very nice, positive, loving fashion. So,
1: well, so. M- much love to everyone. And, uh, you know, every all of all of you. And uh, speaking of which, I needed to say this really quick before I forget. I saw a new card dispenser. It's so cool, man. You put it in the middle of the table. <laughs> and it revolves right and it spits the cards out forever how many you know people are playing so you got to get one of those for the bus
0: send me the link for it because alice loves to buy things that will eventually become obsolete in two or three months of like, because we won't be on the, that same tour bus, and he'll buy it like right out of the gate. Send me the, the link to this. And we are talking about, of course, the, the infamous late night poker games that we have on the Alice Cooper tour bus on a nightly basis. And just so you know, Eric Dover is not just singer, songwriter, producer, vocalist, guitarist, great friend, um, great band member to have. But he also is the inventor of Drunk Ass Dealer. <laughs> That's true.
1: You know These moments of inspiration that we would have during those <laughs> games. Those, those are some of the funnest times of my life. Literally, just hilarity. Drunk-ass dealer.
0: Remember, though, drunk-ass dealer starts because you're supposed to deal the cards
1: clockwise, I believe. But what's yeah. drunk-ass dealer, Eric, being that you invented it? Oh, Jesus. It's been so – you know, I'd get my ass kicked if I played anything now. Um, but it's but just dealing even, the cards randomly. That was it. We were dealing it randomly, but wasn't there something where you slapped the card on your head and that was <laughs> the, the, Mariah, the Mariah or whatever it was going to be? I mean, there was a lot of vodka cranberry involved uh, in those Indeed. games as well. No doubt. No doubt. That
0: dovetails into our last Let the People Speak question, which is from at Chris Windry Dry. I always mess these names up. I'm sorry. Chris Windry Dry. He asked do you have a favorite memory of your time because you do say they're great times and they were great times um, with us playing together in the alice cooper band do you have a favorite memory of your time with alice cooper uh
1: yeah probably a few but i would say that um the first time that we ever played wembley and brian may came and joined us I for talk about that. yeah i talk about that all the time man huh? oh what a what a wonderful memory and it was the hammersmith odeon which has a an amazing history all its own. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I remember that being a a big highlight. And if, if I thought, well, I don't remember if it was the first time I played there, we played Wembley or the second time, because I know there was a couple of times once I wore a um, a flight pressure suit from like a MIG, we I bought it in Russia at a, a market bazaar somewhere, right? right? God, that thing was so hot. It looked cool, though. <laughs> I look like yeah. I played Rammstein or something, you know. Oh, Rammstein. Oh, you're so good, Eric. There is. Wow. Isn't that a promo
0: shot of the Eyes of Alice Cooper era days and stuff? So, yeah, I do remember that Brian May moment that you're talking about so much because I, I do tell people – oh, that was the eyepatch era. I tell people about the eyepatch era of um, Eric Dover. I mean, that is – by no fault of your own that's one of the coolest looks you ever were able to pull off thank god for your eye conjunctivitis right
1: <laughs> it created it yeah well that's what happens in touring you know I, I think we went to um greece and went to germany or whatever but uh what is it the diseases of the of the band you know it's yeah that's, it, a, okay. that's a frank zappa song so <laughs>
0: it was one of those sort of things that did pass on to a few other members of the band so for a couple weeks there there was a um there was sort of an eye patch vibe going
1: on as well (laughs) well you know there's nothing wrong with playing dress up as pirates i mean you guys have been working with johnny depp so you understand
0: (laughs) yeah we've been doing that and space cops with the uh uh Brutal Planet, and uh, then there was sort of, it had an Asian twist, Space Cops with Asian twist during the Dragon Town era that you were playing with. Remember how we just put on those those suits and it would, it would become these sort of characters.
1: Oh, yes, it, well, we were characters off stage too, but yeah. <laughs> but
0: that Brian May gig though, do you remember how loud his one AC30
1: amp was compared to both our stacks that were rigged up? Oh yeah, I I do so much in fact that I uh, I went and like looked on YouTube again <clears throat> after all these years just to see his setup. Um, he brought one AC30. He usually plays more than one, but yeah, that's just not, I don't think it's your normal AC30 either. Oh, it's probably uh, sure it's,
0: it's, it's probably hijacked or, or rotted out, uh, modified and um, beefed up to the most you can. And he probably brings more than one because he knows that, one, that one's going to blow up. Especially yeah. if Ace Freely shows up.
1: Yeah. If Ace Frehley shows up or, you know, <laughs> if it's an AC 30 in general, I think what Gilby used to take six of them out with guns and roses just to get <laughs> two of them to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I love, I love them, but I'm still a, kind of a Marshall guy to yeah. this day. So,
0: Well, I have I have um, using. I'm very excited that I'm using Hughes and Kentner this next tour, and um, been working with them. Um, We like to say that we are the the German Marshall Amp Company. (laughs) No, but Hughes and Kentner's got a great. um, They got a great history, and I'm excited to take them out on the road on this next tour as well. So, getting to equipment. This is perfect, man. You know what? I'm not going to have a script from now on, folks, because all these things sort of just, you know, they intertwine with each other. Because now we have a section called The One That Got Away. And we'd like to thank the basis for Fallout Boy to be part of this next dance of animation. The one- There's the one that got it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What is the one that got away, you ask? Well, thanks to Stanley Gable, who's inspired this idea. Uh, We are asking our guest about a piece of gear that you wish you still had, you know, whether you had to sell it, it was stolen, or you just did, you know, some sort of stupid thing and you lost it. But would you have one piece of gear that you wish you had? still to this day. And honestly, it doesn't have to be a guitar. It doesn't have to be an amp. It could be something, one weird little effect. What is the one that
1: got away for you, Eric Dover? That's an easy to answer question. It's my 85 Bronze Burst Les Paul custom that was stolen off of the Strand in Hermosa Beach at a billionaire's house uh, that's never been recovered. And I don't think I'll ever see it. But yeah, I had a nervous breakdown. I've, you know, once my midlife crisis kicked in and I started sleeping on couches again, I wound up selling shit like oh stuff that I really wish I'd never gotten rid of. Um but I and I loved it. Like I had a beautiful uh, Pete Townsend sixty eight SG with a tremolo, I had all these wonderful sounding guitars, but that eighty five is the one that is bro it's broken my heart. You know, it it, it broke my heart completely. I've seen out
0: there and you somebody has that that guitar just doesn't go away it just doesn't it doesn't get it's 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 sitting somewhere in someone's house and they don't realize it because they didn't realize they they bought fence goods or it's sitting in someone's house and they know completely well that they stole it and they have had to sleep and they may not know the severity of it and and and, and it's sort of what you've been telling us with this story or it's hanging in some sort of music shop and in somewhere so it's again an 85 tobacco burst, did you say?
1: No, it was a bronze burst, so it looks bronze. gold. looks almost like a gold top. But um, that that guitar was absolutely very special. Um, I think there's a picture of it on my Twitter, which I never use Twitter, uh, but as has a serial number listed. I've had friends looking for it for years. I'm not sure. You know it. It was Hermosa Beach, so wherever it is, somebody's probably playing shitty reggae on it or Sublime <laughs> covers or something. Um, and that's what kind of breaks my heart the worst. And that guitar, too, was stolen. That was the uh, that was a Tom Shepard kit guitar that I took it alone to have built, and uh, this guy stole it that I know from back home. Would, uh, I will go into that. I don't miss that guitar, though, like I could do the, uh, the Gibson.
0: Okay, well, you know what? Vic, I guess if Vic keeps on putting out pictures of your, you with guitars, th- there's going to be some tragic story behind that one. So Vic, please stop putting up pictures of guitars, or Eric's going to have another breakdown. We don't want that right now. We can talk about my breakdown with my stolen flying V, my GMP flying V, that actually was recovered, found, but they wanted me to buy it back. And I was like, it, so because it was at a music store, and then I just finally said, you know what? Because of... An Alice Cooper fan had, had eventually bought this GMP Karina V um, sort of replica. He bought it, and then I kind of said, "You know what? It was stolen for a reason. You bought it. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to buy it back." For one, hold on to it. If I ever need it, I'll, I'll really ask for it. And then years later, I'm playing a Karina V anyway. So um, yeah, I mean, it's nice. It's just nice to hear. That, 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 that there's some sort of resolution this is kind of like you know a, a missing person you just want that some sort of i guess you know how do you say resolve you want you want some sort of closure so folks if, if you know anything about eric's missing 85 bronze burst um, please come forward there's a, an anonymous tip line that we will set up and put together in the in in the links below i think Federica can set that up maybe we'll find it eric maybe we'll find that brown bronze burst someday it's around yeah.
1: Uh, well, I, I would hope so. I still have my um, my 78, the red one that I used to play that's in a lot of those. I, but it's retired. I don't take it out for live gigs anymore. I have a, um, a about a 2019 uh, Gibson classic. So I've been, you know, breaking that in and, uh, you know, playing that for most of my live stuff. So, well,
0: As Dave Duchovny from the X-Files would say, it's out there.
1: I hope so. <laughs> I always think of Dave and his white socks sitting in first class <laughs> us drinking champagne
0: please tell that story please tell the story of how we were best friends with dave to for like eight hours and then never saw or heard from him again
1: no he was the greatest guy and we just hung out in the uh, the airport lounge and chatted and drank all the free wine and i just remember sitting you know the the first class has those great you know cabin bed things or whatever and like he's got his capsules they were remember
0: they were capsules
1: yeah they were capsules they were so cool and i just remember him like kicked back and i was like dude's wearing white athletic socks (laughs) he's like a bro like he really is and he he, he certainly was
0: do you remember when he when he uh spilled a little bit of uh bloody mary on his sock or maybe it was his sleep suit that they gave us he said Uh, Or no, he was on his sweats. Those 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 sweats that they gave us. He spilled a little bit right around his groin area, and he go, "My penis is bleeding."
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite quote from David Covenant. Oh yeah.
0: Well, maybe there'll
1: be a reunion one day. I love it. Well, you know what? There has to be a reunion between
0: me and you at some point because every time we get on stage, it's always major, major fun. and, and just always something that I really do heartfelt, I really do um, appreciate. And I, I know that I'm uh, in a special place when I'm on stage with you, Eric. It's true.
1: Well, I feel the same way about you. And I hope that we can, uh, you know, down the road, maybe pick up some Lost Angels thing. I know that at one time uh, before everything happened, we were kind of writing some songs and thinking about recording them. I'm still very open for that. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Well, there you go. In the meantime, though, folks,
0: um, you're going to hopefully catch us with the Alice Cooper Band. Uh, We go out in a few weeks with Alice Cooper and Ace Fraley, and there's the tour dates right there. And, um, in fact, so much that next week uh, on our show, we will have our tour kickoff special, the tour kickoff special episode of In the Trenches. So definitely start – planning that, uh, following that, uh, promoting it. And uh, again, no fan of the week this week because we're gonna prep up for this tour special. So another week, another fan of the week, will run our our reigning champion will be Amanda Brown. You are our fan of the week for two weeks in a row. Enjoy your title again. We've been hanging out with Mr. Eric Dover. enough about me and my yak and how to get in touch with you, Eric, for those that are listening on the audio broadcast. And if anybody just wants to sort of chat, find out more about Eric and fall into the Eric Dover rabbit hole, how would they get in touch?
1: Oh, well, as you can see, wait, this way, that way. <laughs> yeah. It takes right. a little bit you used to. Yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, drop me a line. I'm, I'm open to hearing, a, hearing from any fan or anyone that wants to talk about music. Um, we're also at the Licorice Quartet. You can, uh, we, we do offer certain experiences for um, session work, vocals. Um, so feel free to reach out. I, I love hearing from other musicians and, and just people that love talking about music. There you go. That's Eric Dover and all his social
0: media. Um, fuck man, like I said, usually I end it with parting words, but you've already said such amazing parting words. Um, there is no expiration on uh your dreams there's no age limit was it no age
1: limits expiration yeah, you no know your dreams can. happen no no you just got to keep going man and you'll you'll get there you know and you and you can be what was the other thing you said you can be unsuccessful it's something you hate so you might as well find something you love right yeah you can be miserable you know so just do what you love i mean. Uh, Sometimes life hands you some shit sandwich, but you can, you know, when when somebody's not looking, just feed it to the dog or something. Again, another another spinal tap.
0: You can't you can't print that. (laughs) Right, most most of everything I say you can't print. Uh, It's literally shark sandwich was the name of the album, which goes this full circle to Jumping the Shark. Oh my god, this has been the most incredible episode of just things tying in for a reason. For some reason, we had some crazy feedback. Better left unsolved.
1: (laughs) i would say this is very serendipitous
0: <laughs> it's very serendipitous it's always serendipitous in fact that might be the name of eric dover and myself's new project serendipity there's a nice picture of three's company family um consider your go ahead serendipity do
1: yeah that's going back <laughs> serendipity do we can wear hair products we could get endorsements you know i'm no. thinking ahead no, okay, I've got it.
0: This is synergy at its best. Serendipity duo. Ooh, I, oh saw what you did there it's, new solo, it's our new duo so you can't it's our new duo project because you can't say solo project. You can't. And it's, you know it's our new we actually might have just come up
1: with a new genre of like types of bands. It's a duo project. Yeah, Mr. Furley inspired rock songs. You know, I will gladly be your Andrew Ridgely. I would happily be your uh, John Oates, if you will. Hey, listen, I'll I'll be your Sleestack to your Shaka, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dude, we're going to go off for hours, but we have yeah. to actually shut down right now. So hang on for just one more second. We've been hanging with uh, – just an amazing guy, Eric Dover, part of the In the Trenches family now and forever. Of course, our paths are going to cross. Um, Eric, thanks again for coming
1: on. Thank you, brother. And listen, uh, best of luck with the tour and, uh, you know, have a great time.
0: Thanks, as always, uh, to everybody that's been uh, supporting the podcast. Uh, tell a friend. Um, thanks to our product- producer, Vic Font. You've done a great job again. And Everybody, we'll see you on the tour special next Friday. But until that time. Enjoy the ride. See ya. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby. Give him his guitars back.